Well, if you looked inside the bulletin today, you see that the, the sermon title is about the essential carry on. What, what do you believe is essential to carry on with you? What can you not be without for a day? What can you not afford to lose? What do you just got to have with you? For some of us, it might be as simple as a toothbrush, right? Just got to have a toothbrush. Got to have a clean pair of socks or, you know, maybe one or two other clean items. It just gets a new perspective on life. But maybe what we think of when we think, oh, I got to carry this, I got to make sure I don't lose this, is, is the purpose of our trip. There's some object we have to have so that when we get there, boy, we, we've got this. What is essential for you to have? You know, I've traveled a good bit and been pretty blessed in that I've not had a lot of luggage issues. I was trying to remember the other day, I, I think I've only lost luggage one time. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't when like I was flying to like parents' house or to see friends where I could resolve that pretty easily. No, I was, I was landing in Baku, Azerbaijan. I know many of you have been there. I uh, could point it out on a map very quickly. No, it, it, Baku's the kind of place when you lost all your clothes, you don't want to go buy any of theirs. It, it, nothing there that you want. I was there three days before my, my luggage showed up and had been traveling about a day, day and a half to get there. So I was, I was working on five days in the same set of clothes and nothing else. It was... It was time to change. But you know, the, the problem was not as much what I had with me or what I didn't have with me in the, in the, in the area of comfort uh, or, or ease, but the purpose of our trip. We were there for a very specific purpose, and that also was with our luggage. And when we, I mean, we're only there for seven days, and now we can't do what we're there to do. We were there, I mean, a lot of our luggage had tools and equipment for working with beehives and, and working with uh, those who do that in that country. And I know right now you're thinking, gosh, I didn't know that about you, Pastor. I didn't, I didn't know you worked with beehives and knew how to do all that. I don't know a thing about beehives other than I know how to eat honey. I'm really pretty good at that. No, I don't know anything about that. You say, well, why were you there doing that? That's a whole other story. But, but when you're there to do something and, and, and what you needed, what is essential is not with you. You're kind of stuck. You know, what's essential to you? You know, maybe we don't even have to think about what's essential on a trip. What's essential in your day? What do you have to have with you when you leave the house? I mean, I think for most of us, it's going to be a wallet or a purse, right? Maybe some of us would turn around and go back home if we got, forgot our smartphone. I mean, nobody, nobody could get to me if I don't have my smartphone with me. What, what is essential to you? You know, we might think about what's essential, again, in terms of convenience or comfort. Maybe we think of what our purpose is in something. But while we're kind of thinking about that, let me ask you to think about this. What do you believe God would say is essential? What would God say is essential for you to have with you when you get on the plane? For you to have with you when you just get in the car and start a new day? What would God say is essential? You know, I bet we would probably come up with a list of three, four, maybe five things. I bet we'd be pretty much in a, well, you know, I think we should have this and this and we probably should have done this. There are probably three, four, or five things. But today I want to focus on one thing I'm confident that God wants us to carry with us everywhere we go. I want to use a number of passages to kind of develop that. See if you can figure out what this one thing is. Look up here on the screen. We're going to just glance at them real quickly. Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. John 20, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. 
Big one, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then 2 Timothy, proclaim the message. Persist in it, whether it is, look at that phrase, convenient or not. Now you know something is essential when you have to have it, whether it's convenient for you to have it or not. You, you have to carry this. 1 Peter chapter 3, set apart the Messiah as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Those first four verses were, came from the mouth of Jesus, then Paul, then Peter. But as you know, all of those words came from the heart and mind of God. And folks, clearly from the heart and mind of God, it is essential to Him that when you and I go out into the world that we are carrying the gospel. We should feel naked without it. Oh, i got to go back and get it. I mean, it's just like a wallet or a purse. I've got to have this with me. That's our mindset. When I say it's our mindset, it's not like the, uh, it's not like the gospel is something we put in our pocket, right? It's not a physical object that we carry with us, but it is a mindset that we have. You know, I, I, I like, like most of you guys in here, I've got a wallet in my back pocket. I put it in there every single morning. Every morning. Now, there are some nights, there's some nights I get home and I put it back on the chest of drawers there. And you know, that entire day I didn't get my wallet out. I mean, so obviously on a day like that, you didn't need your wallet today. But I never have that mentality. I never have the thought, oh, well, I won't need my wallet today, so I won't carry it. No, I... I always have the, the idea, I'm going to need it, and I absolutely intend to use it. Sure, there might be a day I don't point out, but pull it up. That's not my mentality about it. That's how we think about the gospel. I mean, there might be a day I don't pull it out, but I always need it, and I always intend to use it. That's the mindset of somebody that's living a life that counts. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series to begin the year called One Life, because that's what we've got, right? We got one life, not, not several. We, we don't have any life we can waste. So I, got, I got two or three here I can burn, and then I'm going to start working on the one that can't. No, I got one life. One life to make it count. We, in this study, we have learned when does that life start? It doesn't start at our birth. You know, we, we measure our age by that, that physical birthday, but that's not when life begins. As a matter of fact, the Scripture kind of delivers some bad news in that if that's all you have is a physical birth, your life's not counting for anything. It means nothing. It, it, will, it will count for absolutely nothing. Our life begins when we have a spiritual birth. Our, our, our life begins, Jesus says, when we are born again. That's the moment. It, it might have happened for you at 6. It might happen at 26. It might happen at 66. But when we have that spiritual birth, now we have a life that counts. Now we have a, a life that can be measured, a, a life that can do something. And last week we began to talk about what we do to, to build that life. And there's all kinds of... We saw that the, the Bible's cre Bible said we were created for good works. And when it says that, yes, it's talking about helping the poor and doing good, helping people in need, serving the community, serving an individual, serving in your church, doing things that build and make things, make people, make situations better. Those are, those are good deeds. Those are good works. But our biggest good work is to act in a way, whether it's one of these things I just mentioned or others, to act in a way that people see God. That's the good work that we do. And last week we focused on our relationships. 
general relationships, very specific relationships, and how we live in those in a way that people can see God. That's the good work that we do. That, that when people watch us, whether it be in our marriage or parenting or work or school, whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, by watching us, they get to see God. You see, my, my marriage is a lure. That's it. It's bait. It is bait to draw somebody, my kids, neighbors, friends, to draw them to the person of Jesus Christ. Your job. It's bait. Oh, yeah, I mean, it pays bills. You, you, you make a contribution to the world, to community, but your job, your primary purpose is my job is bait. It's a way, it's a lure of me pulling people to the person of God. Young people, school, they, they, as they watch you relate with teachers and principals and how you talk about them and treat them and how you talk about and treat other students and how you act in the ex- extracurriculars, all that people watch you and it's a lure to the person of Jesus. People should be able to watch your life and my life and end up coming to eternal life and worshiping the one true God. That is a life that counts. And here's the very simple reason why that is the only life that counts. Because that's the only thing we do that lasts forever. We do a lot of things that count for a little while, right? Some things we count just count for the day. Some count for, for a year. I mean, there's some things we do that count for a big hunk of life. But only this is what counts forever. Now, people watching my life don't get saved by watching my life. Okay? My life is a lure. It's an attractant. But just watching me. Boy, look at Randy. That is the most awesome life I've ever lived. Seen. Poof, they're saved. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. I'm just an attractant. But sooner or later, that person has to hear and process and respond to the gospel. They've got to actually hear the words of the gospel. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the message about Christ. Now, folks, I want to make a statement, one sentence to kind of tie together the three sermons. To kind of tie together uh, how we've started 2013. A sentence that really becomes the operating principle for what you want to do in this year. What you want to do in your life. Here's one sentence. We want to reflect Christ for, and that's the operative word. It says we, we reflect Him and here's the purpose. We reflect Christ for the opportunity to share the message about Christ. We reflect Him so we can share Him. Folks, when that sentence becomes the purpose of your marriage, does marriage do other things? Yes, obviously it does. When that statement becomes the purpose of your job, does your job accomplish and do other? Yes, of course it does. When that statement becomes the purpose of school, when it becomes the purpose of the softball field, when it becomes the purpose of your money, when it becomes the purpose of everything you are and do, how can I in this, in that, reflect For the purpose of sharing. When that becomes our purpose, let me tell you what happens. Meaning and purpose and strength and value comes flooding into your life. Now, you know, I make that statement. I see a lot of believers and I say, well, you know, I don't know that believers have a a better grasp on on a more valuable life. uh, That that believers have a better grasp on meaning and purpose than than unbelievers do. Well, yeah, there's a reason for that. Because... 
a lot of us come to Christ, but then don't actually walk in his purposes. See, it's very easy for us to reduce Christianity, nothing more than a decision we make or something we do on a particular morning of the week. But folks, Christianity is being a follower of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus is being a follower of his purpose for my life. And he left me here for a purpose in that purpose I will find value. In that purpose, I will find meaning and I will find worth and direction. So we are to carry the gospel. But Jesus didn't just say randomly carry it wherever, uh, you know, the mighty stream of life takes you. No, you and I are to carry the gospel in a very targeted way. In that passage we saw just a moment ago, Acts 1.8, Jesus, I want you not, not you the pastor, not you the, the missionary, not you the super saint at the church. No, if you're a follower of mine, I want you to carry the gospel. And you are to carry it to three very specific places. You, folks, you need to process this. This is Jesus talking to you, and he's telling you, carry it to Jerusalem. Carry it to Judea and Samaria. Carry it to the ends of the earth. Is that what your life is doing right now? Now, if you take that statement and kind of put it in our context, what Jesus is saying to you as an individual, to us as a church, hey, how is your life advancing the gospel? How is your life carrying the gospel to your community? How is your life involved in spreading, advancing the gospel in your community? What about in your state and your nation, Judea and Samaria? What about to the ends of the earth? The ends of the earth is the same today as it was back then. How's my life doing that? Now, I'm not going to develop this today, folks, but I think we can go to Scripture and you and I can find three ways that we can be involved in all three of these areas. Three ways that make me faithful. Praying, giving, and going. You've got a little commitment card inside your bulletin today. Something to kind of take home and work with. It's a tool for you. Maybe you'll use that during the course of this week or next Sunday. But how can I give in the area of advancing the gospel in my community? How can I give in a way of advancing it in the state and nation? How can I give in a way of advancing it in the world? How can I pray? Am I praying about the advancement of the gospel in my community? What about the state and nation? What about the world? How about going? Am I even looking for opportunities to go in these three places? Folks, let me tell you something. This is not an assignment that Jesus gave us. It's the assignment. That's it. That is your assignment on this planet. You might fulfill this assignment single or married. You might fulfill it old or young. You might fulfill it rich or poor. You might fulfill it healthy or unhealthy. All of those things that we think are, are the de definer of... No, those are not the definer of life. This assignment is the definer of our life. And let me tell you something. You're not going to do it on accident. You're not going to wind up at the throne of Christ one day. and He says, okay, let's talk about the assignment. There's not ten. Let's talk about the assignment I've left you on the earth to fulfill. In these three places. And you're not going to wind up there. Well, you know, I just was living life and look at this. I just did it all. I, I just fulfilled my assignment in all three of those. We're not going to do it by accident. What am I saying? You do it on purpose. You choose. You make a choice as a follower of Jesus Christ to think about the role your life is playing for the gospel in all three of these areas. In these three different ways that God has given us. Now, how, how do we do that? Well, the first thing we got to do is learn to carry the gospel, right? 
I think one of the roles of the church, certainly the role of our church, is to try to help you be ready to stand before that day, not in fear and trembling, but with excitement to talk with Jesus about how you fulfilled your assignment on this planet. And so the first thing we want to do is we want to actually learn to carry the gospel, right? And if you open up your bulletin today and look in the far right column at the top, it says faith to start a new semester. What's faith? Faith is a way of learning to share the gospel. If somebody were to walk up to you, they've actually watched your life. Your life has actually drawn them to the person of God. And they say to you, hey, tell me how you have what you have with God. Tell me how to be saved. Now, that's about as easy a situation as you get. It doesn't get any easier than that. We don't get a whole lot of those opportunities. But faith, the class, is going to talk to you about what to say in that moment. And a whole lot of other situations. It'll train you in how to share your story with God. It'll train you in how to share from Scripture the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ready to do that? Man, if you're not ready to do that, I I want to challenge you in in love. How do you start another day? How do you stand here at the front of a new week? How do you stand here kind of still at the front of a brand new year and know I am absolutely not equipped, not ready, not confident to do the one thing I've been left on this planet to do? And then what kind of week can you think you're going to have if that's where you are? Man, get equipped. Get prepared. Get trained. Let me encourage you to do this. Tells you there in the bulletin how to sign up. And class starts not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, January 30th. Would you do this? Sign up. And go to the first class. Just, just go to the first night. Now, it, it's more than one night. I'm just challenging. Go to the first night. Look at the curriculum. Look, look at what's going to happen and, and, and how you'd be involved in that. And then just simply ask yourself, God, is this where you want me? Is this what you want me to be involved in? Would you just do that? Man, at least put your life in a place where you can begin to pick up this assignment that Jesus has given you. Then this week we have the the Global Impact Conference. I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, it's one of the most important things we do. Do you know why it's one of the most important things we do? That's what this sermon is explaining. If this is the one assignment I have, and I'm not just going to accidentally do it because I'm living life, you know what's going to happen Wednesday to Sunday? You're going to learn, hey, what's going on in my church What's going on in my church that engages the community with the gospel, that engages the state and nation, that engages the world with the gospel? Man, what are you doing with your money? You look inside that that GIC insert we've given you there. You see a a budget that we have for doing missions. When you give to missions, I believe when you give to missions in our church, you know, hey, my money's being used in all three of those areas. You come this week and you learn about a particular people group or a particular country Maybe you, maybe you get to know a certain missionary in, in, in dialogue. And man, you just get a passion for that person and, and their work and those people. And now all of a sudden, you do just naturally begin to pray. Not just a, a random general prayer, but a very specific prayer. How about going? Are you looking for opportunities? Or is your life open to ways of going? Man, out there in the concourse today, right here in our community, you don't have to get on a plane, no passport, no shots, none of that. Right out there in our communities, 10 different, and we're out there in the concourse, 10 different ministries, all of them doing good works, all of them meeting people in a place that shows them God's kindness, God's compassion, and and God's love for them and creates opportunities for the gospel. There's ways out there to get involved. You heard about one of them uh, up here with the Pregnancy Help Center. There's disaster relief. There are all kinds of ways to be involved in your community. You come Wednesday to Sunday, you're going to learn about ways of things we're doing in our state, nation, and in our world. Man, where, where does God speak to you? 
How can you be involved in one of these? Folks, what, what our church is trying to do for you is train you and give you opportunity to be excited about the day that you stand before God and say, you called me to do this one thing. And here's how I got to be involved with doing this one thing in these three areas that you've left us. Folks, it's the one life that counts. It's the one life that touches eternity. God's given you that ability. He's given you the ability to touch and impact eternity by having an impact on the community and the world that you live in. What will you do with it? You were designed for it. Your church has laid it out. What will you do? Let's pray.